Hey everybody, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me as we step into week two of this particular series entitled The Art of Running Slowly. Now, I don't know about you, but this series has me really excited. And I'm excited because I want to grow in my faith. And I want to grow not just in terms of um, the outward things that people see, the outward things that, um, the outward expressions of the way I live out my faith, but I want to grow in terms of who I am on the inside. And this, pers- this whole entire series is really an experiment in slowing down. The art of running slowly is an experiment in what does it look like in, as opposed to rushing and trying to get through this um, COVID season. It's an experiment in slowing down and saying, okay, God, What is it that you are wanting to develop inside of me? What character traits, what pieces of who I am and how I'm wired and the way I approach things and the way I respond to stuff, what parts of who I am are you wanting to grow and develop? So over the next five weeks, today and the next four included, we're going to be walking through Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And in in it, we're going to be looking at those nine different fruit through uh, the perspective and vantage point of nine different communicators. We'll have uh, communicators of different genders, different ages, different walks of life. And in that, through their voices, I'm really believing that God's gonna do something in our hearts and in our lives, the likes of which maybe we never thought possible in this particular season. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get excited. I want to encourage you to, to, uh, to, to remain hopeful. And I want to encourage you because I believe that specifically today, God has something special for you. Today, our topic is going to be love. If we're going to be honest, what does that even mean? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Number one, love. So what is that? As a Christian, in order to have a healthy understanding of love, I think it's important for us to develop our understanding of who God is first. Because the two go hand in hand. Now, I understand that's obviously counterintuitive because society tells a different story. Society speaks of love as if it's something you're supposed to find, something you discover. I picture a a child on on a seashore searching for seashells, wondering, is that one? Is this one? Did I get it? Did I find it? And sometimes we approach love in the same way. Maybe I'll find it, maybe I won't, maybe I'll die alone. And society kind of tells that story. And if you find yourself watching this particular message today, I want to encourage you to listen. Allow your heart to listen. Don't just listen with your ears. But let's listen with our heart today. Listen to what it is that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us from within. Because you see, that's why I love the idea that God uses the analogy of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's not a plant on this world that walks down the street and says to himself, oh, gosh, wow, that guy's got really nice apples. I'm going to grow an apple. And all of a sudden, they sprout one up on their shoulder. 
You don't, you don't just grow a fruit because you see somebody else with a fruit or because you really want a fruit. Fruit grows from within. Fruit is developed by God. And that's where we want to build today. This whole idea that from the inside out, God wants to grow and develop the fruits in our lives. And the Bible highlighted love as a fruit to be developed. So it is to say love isn't something that you need to abstractly search for. But love is something we need to pray for. Love is something that is taught through Scripture. Love is something that is revealed, revealed by the Holy Spirit. Love is something that is experienced by both giver and receiver. And today, my prayer is that God would speak to us in the area of love and that he would develop something in us, something in this specific season, something right now, that maybe we wouldn't have had the opportunity to have developed were we not facing the things that we're facing today. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you, would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, specifically, it starts off with the word, dear friends. And if you're watching this, I consider you a friend. Dear friend, this is for you. This is for me. Let's pay attention, okay? It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Now, if you have a pen, if you have your Bible, I want you to underline those five words. For love comes from God. Now, it's entirely possible, though, there's a little bit of a timeout. It's possible that you're watching this, and as soon as I said those words, your first instinct was, yeah, right, it does. Yeah, right, because God is angry, God is vindictive, God is a tyrant. And there's this peace inside of you that really struggles with this idea of God being a loving God, that love coming from him to you is, is preposterous. It, it, it's, it's, it's an absolute, absolute no-go. Now, I want, I want to speak to you just for a quick moment, because I, too, at one point found myself in your shoes. You see, I didn't grow up going to church. And the thing that repelled me the most, the thing I had the biggest problem with, was Christians. And the inconsistency I saw in their lives. And I saw the way they handled themselves. I saw the way they treated people. I saw the way they treated people inside the church and outside the church. I saw the way the people, the way they treated people who believed in them or believed with them or believed the same things as them, and the way they treated people with a different worldview. And there was this piece of me that was absolutely repelled by the whole concept of religion. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way I will ever be a Christian. There's no way I will ever worship a God like the God those guys obviously serve. And I had this anger in my heart, this frustration, this angst, this rebellion, this thing inside of me that just kept pushing, saying there's no way. Until I met a Christian that changed everything. And she began to show me what Christianity could be from a different perspective. 
And I started to ask myself a very profound question. In fact, I'm going to ask you this question. What if the God you thought you knew was somebody else? What if the God you thought you knew was somebody else? Could you see, after seeing Christ in action through this girl's life, I started to begin to question my motives. I started to begin to question my biases. And what I realized is I realized that I was becoming intellectually irresponsible. And what I had done is I had created this argument. I had created this assessment of God based off a very small sample portion of Christianity. Like, it doesn't take a brain to understand that it's unfair to, to, to judge somebody based off somebody else's actions. And I found myself judging God based off the behaviors of his representatives. And that didn't make sense to me. So I began to seek after God. I began to pursue God. I began to ask myself the question, what if God is different than the person that I thought he was? And that's my question for you today. What if, what if maybe you have Christianity wrong? What if maybe your perspective is skewed? What if maybe God actually is who he says he is? And what if love does actually come from him? Second part of verse 7 says this. It says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Okay. But verse 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. You see, what we see here is there's actually a link. There's a, a very clear link between the way you love and your personal relationship with God. Whether you love or don't love and whether you have a relationship with God, there is, there is a linkage. There is a tie there. And I like to think of, of to maybe it'll help you. If, you. if you think of love as a barometer, you see, you use a barometer to forecast the weather. And if I were to use, look at a barometer, I could look at it and I could determine what the weather was going to be like, right? Love works the same way for your spiritual health too. Just as I can look at a barometer to determine the weather, I could look at your love and the way we love. And that will tell us something about the spiritual health of that particular person. So that's my question for you right now. Why don't you just take a moment and ask yourself that question. And the question is, what does my capacity to love say about my spiritual health right now? So how does God explain love? Let's look at verse 9, shall we? So we'll go back to the text. We look at verse 9 that says this. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You see, this particular definition of love is so enlightening. It's enlightening because it's countercultural. It's counterintuitive. It's not the way Hollywood romanticizes it. It's different. You see, what this is explaining is it's saying that love isn't and shouldn't be defined by simply loving somebody who loves you. And oftentimes, that's where we make the marker level. That's where, we, where, the, where the tide water rises to. And we say to ourselves, well, if I love somebody who loves me, therefore I can love. But that's not, that, that, that's easy. Like that, that's intuitive. Because we're, we're hardwired to mirror the behavior of those around us. I mean, if someone walks into a room and says with a big emphatic hello and a big smile on their face, and like, hello, Adam, how you doing? I'm naturally going to respond in a happy kind of, hello, I'm doing fine kind of way. And if somebody walks into a room and they're grumpy and they're angry and they're frustrated, they got the weight of the world on their shoulders, I'm going to feel that too. And the air is going to be sucked out of the room. And just as they walk in grumpy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to feel that. And it might actually respond in a very similar kind of way. But what, what's being highlighted here in the scriptures is a different way of thinking about love. What it's saying is it's saying that love isn't defined by someone who loves you first. Rather, it's different. Love is better defined by loving someone before they love you at all. And that's what God did. You see, before you even existed, before you even became into before you even came into being, God loved you. God loved me. God loved us. And that's what differentiates our love from his love. See, we love God because God loved us. That loves us. We, that, that's easy. But God loved us before we even knew he existed. Let this encourage you for a moment. God loved you before you even chose to believe that he was there. Not before you believed that you, not before you even professed faith in him or became a Christian, but before you even knew he existed. God already had this overwhelming love and compassion for you, the likes of which you never even could, could possibly imagine. That's God love. And that's the kind of love I want God to develop inside of me. You see, Jesus explains this kind of love in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. And he says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If, if you are kind only to your friends... How are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, what, what God is trying to do, like what the scriptures are trying to do here is paint a different perspective of love, a deeper version of love, a love that comes from deep within. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved you so much, we surely ought to love each other. See, what I find convicting by this little sentence, 
What I find convicting about this is what it's implying is it's implying that love actually isn't a suggestion. But love is actually more closer linked to a responsibility. If, if we're going to be Christians, we need to love. And not just love those who, who think like us, who pray like us, who look like us. But we need to love everybody. We need a, a, a deeper kind of love. That's what's being painted here. Love isn't a suggestion. It's actually a commandment. If we look at John chapter 13, verse 34, like this is what it says, like literally says. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other for love or for, or sorry. So your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Like, like our loudest testimony as the Christian church should be our ability to love. Our, our loudest testimony is measured by compassion. This is what Jesus is saying here. Now, obviously, love is an extraordinarily broad subject. We're not going to get into the deep depths of what love is. But I want to land here. If we look at verse 12... It says, no one has ever seen God, okay? But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. What this implies is extraordinarily profound for you and extraordinarily profound for me. Because what it implies here is that the way we love people actually shows people who God is. Our ability to love is a window into the heart of Christ. And there's people in your life who have never seen God. They've never seen the goodness of God. And God has placed you strategically, specifically, and intentionally exactly where you are for such a time as this. So what is God doing right now? I believe that God is doing something inside of you. And specifically, specifically, I believe that God wants to do something inside your heart today. God wants to to touch you. God wants to renew you. God wants to revive you. God wants to help you to be able to love in a way that you didn't even know that you could. Verse 13 says this. It says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in, as proof that we live in him and he in us. Friends, the Holy Spirit is the most precious, precious gift that God could possibly give. And today is a special day in the Christian church. Because today is actually Pentecost Sunday. A day that, that we as believers, we, we gather to, to celebrate, to remember, to, 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 to lean into God, to remember that moment of Pentecost outlined in Acts chapter in Acts chapter 2. It's a special moment, a special day, 
a special thing that happened at a very particular time for a very particular reason. Um, Robert Baer describes kind of the progression of Christianity, the very insightful quote. He says, he says, Bethlehem was God with us. So the, the Christmas story, baby in a manger, that's God with us. Calvary was God for us. So the Easter story, Jesus dying on a cross for, for, our, for our sins that we could be set free, that was God for us. But Pentecost is God in us. That moment where the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in Acts chapter 2 and came to, to indwell, to fill everyone that was present. To, to give them that capacity to love. That capacity to push the church forward. That capacity to, to fulfill the Great Commission. That capacity to be the church that God had created them to be. It was an exciting day, an exciting point in human history some 2,000 years ago. So before Acts chapter 2, Jesus explained this whole concept of the Holy Spirit coming to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 15 and 17. And in it, these are the words that he said. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another counselor, teacher, guide, who will never leave you, though. See, he is the Holy Spirit, and he leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. In other words, he's saying, like, like you think it's awesome me being in your presence? Just wait until the Holy Spirit comes and is with you all the days of your life. You see, Pentecost wasn't just for a particular moment. It wasn't just for the disciples. It wasn't just for then. It just wasn't for 2,000 years ago. But Pentecost is for today. Pentecost is for now. And Pentecost is for you. And you too can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Do you want to know what it feels like or what it's, do you want to know how to love like God loves? Do you want to experience the love of God in a tangible and refreshing way today? Do you want to live the type of life, a, a type of life that, that radiates love? A love that, that reflects Jesus, a love that, that makes a difference. If that's you, why not ask the Holy Spirit to come? You have nothing to lose. Maybe we've overcomplicated things in our pursuit of trying to be the best version of ourselves or in our pursuit of trying to be the best Christian possible. Maybe it's not that we need to be something, but that we need someone to come inside of us and to lead us the way, in the way that God wants us to live. So right now we're gonna spend some time in prayer. And Pastor Andy's gonna come and lead us. And I wanna encourage you, invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Because you never know, you never know. Right now may be the very, very moment that you've been waiting for.